Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. It is great to have you guys with us, especially after the Rangers just tied their series at two with the Carolina Hurricanes. I, of course, am your host, Mark Williams, and I am joined by the man known as the Underfilker. Yes, I'm using that again, Mr. John Falkowski. I'm never going to live that down, am I? But, um, well, yeah, when you do I'm... a dead-on impression, yes. <laughs> I thought mine was pretty bad, to be honest with you, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go WWE and uh, quote uh, Montez Ford from the Street Profits and just say that Tony D'Angelo does not want the smoke. <laughs> and, of course, joining us, Mr. Anthony LaRocco. How's it going, guys? Um, for, um, uh, first, before we get to everything else, I'm just going to take a page out of um, Steve Kerr's playbook, the head coach of the, Gold, the Warriors. I don't know if you saw his – it's floating around on social media. Uh, he sat down yesterday and he didn't take any basketball questions. Um, and for about two minutes, he just he just went off on the events that transpired yesterday um, with that senseless shooting um, in Texas. And as a father of two kids, um, I'm, I'm sick of this. Um, and I'm glad that Steve Kerr used his platform to talk about it. I know this isn't even close to the platform that he has being an NBA, but I'm going to just take a minute and just say how disgusted I am by it. Um, enough is enough. It has to stop. Just thinking about kids getting, I have two kids. It's just, it, it just really, really, really pisses me off. Uh, and it has to stop. Um, and he, you know, he said it best. He said, oh, at the game tonight, there's going to be a moment of silence. Everyone's going to say thoughts and prayers. Um, and everyone kind of moves on with their life. Um, and I'm just, I'm just really pissed off about it. Something has to be done. Um, you know, uh, I'll admit I'm, I'm as right as it gets, but I, I do see points on the other side. It, it should not be this easy for this has to be some sort of gun reform. It can't be this easy for this lunatic 18 year old kid to buy two guns and then just go off. It's just, it's disgusting. Um, something has to change and, um, I'm, I'm, I'm done hearing about it and protect our goddamn children. And yeah, and especially, wow. From the voice of the guy who is the father out of the three of us, I did want to let Anthony say something right there because you never want to see anything like that ever happen. But we are going to get to talking about the ho hockey right now. And we're going to start with the Rangers evening their series against the Carolina Hurricanes, winning four to one last night. A, a great, uh, it's possibly, I think, the most dominating game the Rangers have played all playoffs. And uh, just just getting contributions up and down the lineup. That big save that Sasserkin made on Brett Pesci to start the game. Zibanejad scoring uh, to make it three to one, basically putting the game on ice or three nothing. I mean, and then Terravine and actually having that pinpoint shot. Andrew Cop with a great play. Filk, who has got the momentum in this series right now, and and what are you looking at? There it is. All right, he's holding up his Ranger I mean, shirt. I, I I don't I don't know if I need to say much more than that, but um, yeah, uh, you, you have the momentum. You won two games in a row. Uh, Tony D'Angelo is in his own head right now. He's having a horrendous series. Max Domi is in his own head right now. I mean, there was a guy in Game Seven that had probably his best game as a Hurricane, and then he turns around and he starts acting like this. And um, I, I just think it, it's 
it's bad for Carolina because they're an undisciplined penalty. They they were, I think, number one in the league in penalties taken during the regular season, if I if I was correct. But um, I know they were one of the the, the, the most top uh, penalized teams in the league, and they they take a lot of penalties, a lot of undisciplined play. Um, the Rangers are in their head right now, and Ryan Reeves. I mean, say what you want about him not being able to skate with these guys, and you know, saying that he should be used in certain situations. But for all of his shortcomings, he's doing the one thing that can turn an entire series around, and that's getting in the opposition's head. And he's clearly in all their heads. Tony D'Angelo up in Ryan Reeves' face didn't didn't have that on my 2022 playoffs bingo card. Did not have that there. Did not have Max Domi trying to go after Ryan Reeves. Like, this is great. Ryan Reeves is taking their best players. Whatever you want to say about Max Domi, fine. I don't care. But Mm. um, Max Domi's still a good player. And you're taking those guys off their games and completely Ilya Kovalchuking them like Sean Avery in the 2007 playoffs against the Atlanta Thrashers right now. And it's working. And it's continuing to work. And Ryan Reeves has been, as I've said all year, a strong, strong presence in that locker room. And now Jacob Truba steps up and nails Max Domi. You know the main business. So the Rangers have all the momentum. They're going back to Raleigh. If they can just persevere through the line matchups in game five, win that game, you come back to MSG with a chance to close it out in game six against a team that has not won a road game in this entire postseason. Uh, I, I got to say, the Rangers, they they should win this series. They should at this point. Anthony, so what's on what's on the other side? What, what's Carolina got to do? Uh, well, I, I said uh, during the Boston series, they're, they're a different team at home than they are away. I mean, they're, they're six and zero at home. They haven't lost well yet. They haven't won on the road. So for me, this series comes down to the, the first team that wins a game um, away uh, is going to, is going to win the series. That's, that's just the, I think that's just a fact. I think whatever team is the first team to win a game on the road is going to win. Uh, the Rangers need to find a way to win in Carolina. If they win in Carolina, then, you know, I, I think, um, <laughs> uh, I think they're going to win the series. Um, but you know, similar to similar to how what the Flames are going to be facing uh, with the next two or three games being at their home ice, what the Rangers had last series against Pittsburgh when they were down three one, two of the last three were at home. Carolina has the same opportunity. So if Carolina um, can win and go up three two, even if they lose and it's just game seven, it's uh, you know they have things on their side with a home game seven uh, at their play at their barn. So. Um, I, I think the Rangers are playing really, really good hockey. Obviously, at home, they manhandled the Hurricanes. Um, but they just need to find a way of winning Carolina. If they can win in Carolina, then I think the series is theirs. But it's going to be hard. You know, Carolina, like I said, they're a different team at home. They're 6-0. and They play their game much more. Uh, their matchups obviously help them out. Um, but, boy, I mean, the Hurricanes away just look disjointed. The Rangers tried need to bring that same game to, you know, PNC Arena and see what happens. But, um, yeah, I am I give a lot of credit to the Rangers for battling back and evening the series. It could have been easy for them to kind of just, you know, lay down and uh, be a little listless, but that's not them. You know, their, their hashtag, no quit New York, they showed that. Um, now it's just a matter of trying to get the job done on the road. I, I look at this series right now, and, again, I'm going to point to 
one guy in particular, and it is Igor Sesterkin. I put up the numbers a minute ago. 1.25 goals against in this series and a, a 9.59 save percentage, which isn't first in this round for players. We'll get to that guy in a second. But this is just unbelievable. Just what it's right now, if you're Carolina, it's, it's getting to the point where you're taking shots and you might think about throwing your stick at them when you're after, after you're done because you can't beat them. And if the, the two goals in game one that he did allow, one was deflected and one was, I still think, poor back checking by the defense. Agreed. Right now, if he can go in and steal game five for the Rangers and they can get a little bit of offense, they just got to get two goals the way they're playing. And then that's it. Then they go home and they have a chance to wrap it up. I did predict Canes in seven. I, I am I will be happy to be wrong since you see all the Ranger stuff behind me. But you know, it can, it's I think it's a little bit more than just hold serve at home if you're Carolina. You, they gotta really do something. They gotta really their their power play is listless. I put that number up there before. They're 0 for nine in the series on the power play. And it's just yeah, it's it's I I I do. I'm the Rangers. I'm feeling supremely confident right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I think if anything, this is, this is big because now you've won two games in a row. Your goaltender is back to heart trophy candidate form. And then when he gets there, that's a big problem for a team that knows that they are struggling offensively, knows they are struggling on the power play and knows that they struggle on the road. They're in their own heads. They're their worst enemy right now, Carolina. And uh, you know what? I, I, I said that, you know, I, I thought that Carolina was going to come out and they were going to absolutely pump the Rangers, and you know, uh, before the series started. And then I took a look at what the Rangers did against Pittsburgh and how Carolina did against Boston. I was like, you know what? The Rangers are going to make this closer than we think, but I still think Carolina is going to win. And now, all of a sudden, we're looking at, the Rangers possibly taking this series. They have they have everything in their favor right now, and they have the tools to go do it. So you win the next two games, and, and, and bang, you're you're going on to the the Eastern Conference Finals, where you're going to have to face an absolute sleeping giant that's waiting for them. But that's another story. So let's take this game by game, and the Rangers just need to come out fast, physical. And they just need to be smart in the next game. Igor Shosturkin is going to be Igor Shosturkin. I think those two bad games where he's pulled against Pittsburgh, those are out of his system. I don't think mm-hmm. you're getting another half for him in the rest of the playoffs, provided the Rangers don't absolutely crap the bed in front of them defensively. So Carolina, eh, they got their work cut out for them. Right. So no Amber Heard anywhere near the New York Rangers. And uh, Anthony, you're going to have the last word on that. But I also want to bring back this memory. The attitude, if you remember us talking Saturday, this is almost a 180 from it. We were like, oh, the Rangers are nearly dead and buried. Go ahead. Well, yeah, because, you know, Carolina's up 2-0. You know, when you're when you're down 2-0, it's easy to get negative, especially when you're playing a team that's not a great matchup. But, um, you know, I, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, I thought the Rangers have been the better team. Sands game two. If Carolina could play the way it did in game two, where they kind of stifled the Rangers and, and gave them nothing, um, then, you know, then, yeah, they could be in good shape again. But they have to they have to play that brand of Hurricanes hockey in game five and get some confidence back. Uh, because if the Rangers get ahead early, um, 
you know, or take it to them. It, it could be easy for the Hurricanes to, you know, kind of lose, not lose hope, but kind of get a little nervous and grip the sticks a little tight. So um, if the Hurricanes could come out in game five, get an early goal and then play that stifling brand of hockey, um, then they're going to get a lot of confidence again. Um, but then, you know, going back into the garden for game six, it, they get hit in the face with the reality of they haven't won on the road. So um, this could seesaw a little bit, you know, if the Rangers are feeling good right now, but if the Hurricanes take game five, um, now it kind of swings the other way with the Hurricanes thinking, OK, well, we just need one more to advance. So um, it's, this is I know it's obvious when people when it's a tied series and they say a pivotal game five, but it literally is pivotal based on the fact that the Hurricanes are undefeated at home but haven't won away. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. Really interesting. Felk. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. It just, I, I, I just thought of something. Because not only have they not been able to win on the road, and, you know, the rank, obviously Carolina has, had a, has a big advantage at home, but got to think of it this way. You have – it's a best of three series now. And – it's going to be tough to beat either one of these teams two times in a row in these situations because, one, Carolina is going to have a game. They're going to have two or three games at home. Two, on the other side of it, you're going to have to beat somebody who's playing like an MVP, like a Hart Trophy winner right now, two times in a row. I don't know if they can do that. I don't know if Carolina can do that. If the Rangers, not only that, but think, another stat that I just want to bring up real quick. Rangers have had the lead in three of the four games in the series. Carolina has led in only one game this entire series. So we were talking about, oh, Carolina, oh, they're playing bad. They're playing bad. That was going around. I think that it's not that Carolina is playing bad. It's the Rangers have finally cleaned everything up defensively. Yeah, and they, they even opened I, – I still think they opened it up a little bit, and I – I kind of also want to hear what uh, Bissonette's going to have to say about that. <laughs> so, by the way, everybody, uh, we're going to lose Anthony for a second, but don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You can see that handsome <laughs> mug underneath there. And also to smash that like button. All right. <laughs> All right. So we are going to do a little bar talk right now. And we have a lot more NHL uh, playoff coverage to do. I'm going to take a shot on this one. You're going to see beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh, my God. Um, did we lose Anthony just now? Looks like his connection is uh, a little bit slow. Yeah, hopefully he'll be back in like one second. All right. Well, everybody, welcome back to Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, where we gauge our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you so confident you're going to buy everybody around? Yeah, so-so, you all have a beer or, oh my God, I need a shot. Well, <laughs> yeah, or, you know, it's it's that 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 uh, weird Suffolk County stuff hey, can we, out there. Can we? Get the uh, the AOL uh, sound, the connecting noise. Da-da, da-da, da-da. <laughs> Filk, um, every day Barkley Goudreau gets a little bit more healthy. And every time he's getting more healthy, there's a chance he's going to get back in the lineup. 
And there's also a possibility with Sammy Blay starting the skate with the team still with a non-contact jersey. But, and here we go. We got Anthony back. And there he is. Oh, still black. Yeah. As long as we can hear him. Can we hear you? Yeah. Okay, oh, good. There we go. All right, there he is. There he is. Did you even change your shirt, too? No, no. no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. You just pulled a what now? Yeah. <laughs> I got my party like it's 1995 when the Bills won the – when they won the division in 2020, two years ago. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, by the way, I remember that. They smoked the Miami Dolphins in the yeah. <laughs> in the uh, wild card round. It wasn't even yeah. close. All right. Uh, so – when Barkley Goudreau is healthy again, the New York Rangers should scratch Philip Heedle. Philk, start it off. Scott, what is this? No. What, is, what is going on with this? It is to generate reactions. No, th- 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 this has to be a, a troll question because there's no possible thing you could be looking to scratch Philip Heedle in these plate. Sorry, but that's not happening. Uh, I'm ending this there because this is stupid. Okay. <laughs> Anthony. Um. Yeah, I I gotta agree with Phil. Uh, he just playing well. Um. I mean, the only thing I'll say is Barclay Goudreau, um, has has won, uh, you know, cups. So I think you know maybe his experience and knowing what it takes this time of year is good to have in the lineup. But I don't know if okay. it should be a defensive Hedl. Um, I'm just going to put the shot right back up there. I did pose this question because, uh, I, I went through that lineup. You can't scratch anybody in their top six. You, you, nope. you can't take Ryan Reeves out of the lineup right now. You can't take, uh, Kevin Rooney or, um, you can take Kevin, Kevin Rooney. Rooney. Yeah. Kevin Rooney or Tyler Mott. Absolutely not. So that leaves nope. you to the kid line, which has been their best line. And maybe it's Kako, but somebody's going to have to sit for Barkley Goodrow. And especially if it's Sammy Blay is back in. So, I mean, the Rangers might have some lineup questions for good reasons, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. And as long as everybody understands their roles, then there won't be any problems. And especially Alexei Lafreniere had a great game. I thought last night. So no, you can't take him out either. Go. We're, we're going to your neck of the woods on this one. The Islanders' top free agent target should be Johnny Gaudreau. Um, I don't know. I, I go back and forth on this. I know I know Forsberg's a pure sniper, um, which is what exactly what the doctor ordered. That that's what they need. Um, however, you know Gaudreau's no slouch in filling the net himself. Everyone kind of views him more of a playmaker, but the guy could absolutely score. So. Um, it's, it's hard. I think Goudreau is going to cost a little more than Forsberg. Uh, I mean, Forsberg's ain't coming cheap, but I think Goudreau's AAV being that, you know, a guy had 113 points or whatever he had, um, is going to be a lot higher than what Forsberg will get. So, um, you know, either, or I'd be ecstatic with both. So I guess, I guess I'll go beer. Um, but I will say it's absolutely imperative that, Big Lou needs to come away with at least one of Gaudreau, Forsberg, or Tarasenko or Fiala through trade. He he need he needs to get someone of that someone of that of that ilk. Signing Burakovsky as a free agent, or um, you know, Nita Ryder or Trocheck. Uh, they're really good players, um, but they need someone of the those four that I mentioned realistically. Philk. I'm going to say 
round. Um, I know I've even said before that they need a, a top end goal scorer, but I, I really think offensively there's a concern. There's a sizable gap between Goudreau and Forsberg. And um, I, I know that the talent is close, but Johnny Goudreau just makes the players around him so much better. And the Islanders, not only do they need a pure sniper, but they need someone who can be another offensive facilitator uh, aside from Matthew Barzell. Because look at that lineup. Matthew Barzell is the, the one guy that can facilitate the offense. Who else is there? Anders Lee is, is, a, is more of a complimentary player. Brock Nelson is better suited as a complimentary player, but has kind of evolved into more of a goal scorer than you know we ever thought he would be. Uh, Anthony Bovillier, more of a complimentary player, a good one at that, but a complimentary player. Josh Bailey, that guy's riding everybody's coattails that he's going to be playing with. So you're, you're going to you're going to need guys that really can set the table for you and dry play. Johnny Goudreau is exactly that. That's that should be their number one target. It's it's a, a matter of whether they have the cap space to get him and then complete their future tasks in the following off seasons, i.e. Matt Barzal and so on. So uh, I'm buying around on this. Uh, you know what? I got to go with buying around too, because the Islanders are going to have cap space and it's going to be, hey, you know what? Go get the biggest fish. And the biggest one is Johnny Goudreau. I would even go him over Forsberg, uh, sorry, Forsberg, but it's, to me, it's Goudreau's the guy to go after. I, I Forsberg, also think, if they get him, is a great consolation prize, Anthony. I also think Goudreau's more likely to leave. than I think we've been hearing that Forsberg wants to make it work in Nashville. I mean, let's face it, Johnny Goudreau is the best free agent available coming off the season that he had, and he's an East Coast kid. I just think he's going to look to get out of Calgary. So I think that alone – there's maybe a little bit more of a chance because I think I think he prefers to come east. Here's the problem. It, the rumor that has been going around for the last year and change is that he wants Philly. to go to Philly because he's yeah, a South, South Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. So that, that's going to be the problem. Remember, what was it, 10 years ago, we were talking about Zach Parise saying Islanders fans were saying that Zach Parise might want to come to the island because his father played for the yeah. Islanders and mm-hmm. he ended up going home to Minnesota. So the going yeah. home part, plays a big part in it yeah all right we're going to Philk's wheelhouse because we're going to talk about probably the story of the playoffs right now but if the playoffs ended today Philk, Connor mcdavid is the consmith trophy winner round i i, I don't have enough beers in the world to buy everybody <laughs> on this one right? The guy has 25 points in 11 games. Who has done that other than Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux? Who? Let, let, I, I want an answer on this because nobody has. It's ridiculous. This guy is just his own universe right now. He's the most dominant player we have seen since 93 Mario Lemieux right now. What he's doing is other friggin' worldly. It, 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 there's there's no way to just describe this otherwise. Um, the craziest part about it is, is that he has clowns like Mike Smith giving up goals from the from 200 feet away, and he's still bringing his team <laughs> to beat a team that's heavily favored. They're up three one in that series. It's because Connor McDavid decided I've had enough of this shit. We're gonna win, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. And you're not stopping me. 
I dare you to stop me, is basically what he's telling Calgary. He is the NHL right now, Connor McDavid. Market the shit out of this guy on the moon and just do everything you can with him because we are seeing Jesus in hockey form. Anthony, follow that. Um, <laughs> it's 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 a round. Uh, I don't know what else there's to say after that. I mean, the guy with a, a two point two seven points per game in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs is just is just filthy. Um, you know, he's he's by far the best player in the league. And you know, I, I sent that tweet to you guys yesterday with TSN talking about uh, already talking about is he the best ever? Um, I mean, he's he's. I mean, Phil and I have been beating that that beating that drum for a while now. In terms of pure talent, I think he's the he's the the most has the most Easy. talent that the game has ever seen. Easy. Um, so this is a round by far. And just to get Phil fired up, I'm going to throw Mark under the bus a little bit here, Phil. Before you came on, we were talking about Conn Smythe winners, and when I mentioned McDavid, Mark tried to say, "Oh, well, you know, Drysidle's right behind him in points," kind of saying that you know maybe you know maybe McDavid doesn't deserve it as much credit as he's getting, which is just. Which is just uh, insane. Uh, no, Mark, it's it's McDavid. You can't take anything away from the guy. He's he's ridiculous. Um, and that go- the, the goal he scored the other night with where Zadorov out you know outweighs him by quite by quite a lot and is much bigger. Went to hit him. And and he just yeah, it, it's he's unbelievable. He is unbelievable. I'm going to take myself out from under the bus that Anthony just threw me under and say the thing that hurts McDavid is that Dreisaitl is right behind him in points. If you watch those games, Connor McDavid is crushing And and, and did you see where they were at one point in the L.A. series where Connor McDavid was over two points per game and Dreisaitl had like maybe seven or eight points? Yeah, yeah, there was a sizable gap in points between the two of them. And Connor McDavid absolutely just said, okay, you know what? Everybody thinks Leon Dreisaitl is this great. I'm just going to show you that I'm that much better than him. I mean, yeah. I and by the way, so I'm buying around as well. But it's – and that's even if he doesn't win a cup and he's out in the second McDavid round. Like just... 30 This series, let's just throw this out there. I'm hoping this doesn't happen. But Edmonton – could blow this series, lose in this round, Calgary could come back, win three games. And McDavid would be the first ever player to have 30 points in a postseason and not get out of the second round. That's just how nuts that's, that's that ridiculous. Be. That is absolutely ridiculous. And the more we even think about that. By the way, so far your uh the poll question is up. Who would win the con the, the consmite that the playoff ends of today? Sisterkin right now is still leading with 59%. McDavid only at 15%, and Vasilevsky at 26. I love, so. I love Dorsha Sisterkin and I love Ranger fans, but holy <laughs> sh- come on. This is not even it's not even yeah. close, right? Now. Sorry. Well, also, going back, we were talking about that. I was talking about this before. Igor Sturkin's got a 959 save percentage in this series and a 1.25 goals against. And he's second in goalies this round because Andre Vasilevsky has got better numbers in both right now. And it's mind-blowing. Wait till you see these numbers. But um, Andre Vasilevsky is the best closeout goalie in hockey. Anthony. Uh I mean, in hockey around, is it, is that, a, is that a question? Uh, the guy, 
The guy during the regular season, he wasn't amongst the league leaders in save percentage or goals against average, surprisingly enough. Uh, but, I mean, he really turns it on in the playoffs, and especially when the heat is on. When he has a, when he has a chance to close out a team, I mean, chances are he's going to shut you out. I mean, he's been he's been that good. Um, he's what was the stat? He's done an eight of the last nine or or seven of the last eight. eight of the he's, yeah, last that's, nine. Uh, yeah, that's like that's like a video game. He's 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 unbelievable. The guy's got ice in his veins, um, and there's no doubt if you need to win one hockey game, he's the first goalie I'm picking. And until someone proves otherwise, it's not even close. He might meet his match in the next round. We'll see about that, Filk. Pump the brakes there a little bit, Mark. <laughs> it's crazy because I, I posted the other day that, you know, Vasilevsky might be the greatest money goaltender we've seen since Patrick Waugh. And I, I, I happen to think that is the case now. I just, I, I, I don't understand how he, he is just this good in these games where he has chances to close a series out. It just, it's like, okay, like the other day when we were on with Pete and I, I made the, and I, the, the walk roll from 96 where he said, I'm not allowing another goal after this, where he got showered the rats and got pissed off. He yeah. said, I'm not allowing a goal after this and didn't allow another goal. Um, it, it, it seems that's what Vasilevsky can do. Uh, and I uh, listen, Igor, Igor should win the Hart Trophy as MVP. And I see these comments in there. Without Igor, we don't get out of the first round. I get it. Going the playoffs right now. There's just no debate about it. It's just... Uh, that's no one, that's one, one reason more than anything that I would not want to face Tampa Bay because that's not a goaltending matchup they might win right now. So, I, I've, and, seen um, it, I've seen it firsthand. Believe me. He's... Yeah. Well, that's where I'm going to get to it. First off, I'm buying around on this because wow, he he just he just slams the door shut. Igor is just getting a taste of that right now himself. So, Anthony, don't worry, I am pumping the brakes. But it's just he the, the what he did to Florida in this series. He just gave Florida absolutely no chance. More on the Panthers in a moment, but it's just they they had no chance, and uh, just. Like, you get to close out games. He's going to shut everybody out. There's only one game in the last 10 playoff series that I I think in a closeout game, he didn't shut them out, and that was Toronto. They had one goal. So if you're facing facing a closeout opportunity, or actually if you're facing elimination, you don't want to be facing Andre Vasilevsky. His his um his record after a loss is also ridiculous. After he loses a playoff game, he he just comes back and he dominates. I don't think he's lost after a loss. I don't think yeah, he's lost. It just, the, the, yeah. He showed the stat line a couple uh, during the Toronto series, I think it was, and it was ridiculous. Well, we're gonna go on to the Colorado St. Louis series. We've got two topics with them, and that's Nazem Kadri is proving he could be a franchise center. Filk. Uh, I'm going to say shot. Uh, I, I, I think he's talented. I, I, I wouldn't say he's a franchise center. Um, he's had a, he's had a really good year. Um, he's definitely a very, very useful player. I, I don't think he's a franchise guy though. If he's your number one center, 
you better have a really good number two center right there, like at his level, because I, I just don't think he's that guy. Uh, could he turn a corner this late in his career? Sure, it's possible. We, we've seen crazy stuff happen like that. But um, I, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to say that he's a, a franchise guy. It's just that it, it's too much of a, of a leap of faith for me to take there. So I'm saying shot here. Anthony. That's a shot easily too. Um, he's having a career year uh, and he's, you know, he could play good two-way hockey, um, but he's not a franchise center. Well, you know, when you, when you think of franchise center, you, you know, you, you think of obviously guys like McDavid who even transcends that. Um, That's know, but, but Nazem Kadri, I mean, no, he's he's not he's not in that category. Very good player. Um, he's probably going to get a good payday if he you know if he chooses to uh, go to the market, which I'm sure he is. I don't I don't know if Colorado is going to have the appetite to pony up what he's going to ask for. Uh, and good for him, he'll get his money. But he's not a franchise center. Uh, I got to agree with you guys, and I'm going to go shout on this as well. Um, and again, it's not to slam Nazem Kadri in any way. He is so far proving me wrong. Lots of people are doing that right now. And it's it's one of those things. Now, first off, by the way, playoffs aren't over, so he hasn't been suspended yet. And uh, oh. but there was almost a dirty play on him. We'll get to that in a second. And it's uh, he's having such a great playoff rounds or the first two, I mean, 10 points so far, but th that's a big game that he, that he had. And he's a two way center. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I think somebody's going to end up paying him as a, as a franchise center. And I don't, I don't think they should like, he might get a lot, a good payday as like Anthony was alluding to. And as I also alluded to David Perron should be fined for almost elbowing Nazem Kadri. I put this on yesterday. So I have to do it again, um, even though we're just talking about it right now. Let me get to what it is. Watch Peron after the goal. Like if if Kadri didn't move back to avoid yeah. that, that could have been ugly. That could have been uh, Pierre Turgeon esque as yeah. as Anthony yeah. referred to it. And here's the thing: I defended it the first time around, saying good thing. Like he, I, I thought he showed restraint. He did. Anthony was no. right about that. Anthony corrected me. And th no, th that, that cannot happen. And that, that puck was in the net. He was already starting to celebrate. So I, I would almost say Perron should be fined, for, uh, not fined, just uh, suspended for it. You, you can't have it happen, even though you didn't have it, you didn't even do it. So I'm going to buy a round on this one. And Anthony, since you're the one that fixed my opinion on this, go next. Yeah, um, it would it would be a first for to suspend a player who actually didn't do anything. Through, you know, yeah. Um, but I, I do I do think that they should send some sort of message just because if he would have hit, I mean that would have been Kadri would have been really really bad shape. I mean, like bad shape. That was that was bad. Um, like you said, Dale Hunter esque. He scored. The play was clearly over. Um, and obviously there's, there's, you can, you know, it's deliberate intent to injure based on what happened with Perron and Bennington earlier. Um, it's just a really, really, uh, coward play for Perron to do. Uh, and he is fortunate he missed. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not surprised the league didn't do anything about it because there's no precedent for suspending a guy who actually didn't make the hit. 
Um, but it was predatory. Um, it certainly was deliberate. Um, and the outcome could have been really, really bad. So, I mean, I, I, I guess I'll go round, but um, I, again, the ruling there kind of makes it hard for the league to, to do anything about it, but they should mm. absolutely have a conversation with him. I mean, I, I, for sure. Philk? There's some sort of disciplinary action. Um, I, I, I would say it'd be fun, uh, it, at least. Uh, I don't know if you can necessarily suspend something for uh, someone for something that never actually happened. Um, I, I would, uh, I would definitely say that there should be a fine and there should be a warning. And then because of the fact, I, I think the middle ground here would be to levy a heavier suspension than a normal first time suspension because of the fact that this person has a past and has shown intent to hurt people. So let's just say David Perron actually does this to somebody or he actually you know throws a dirty hit on someone that's a suspendable hit and let's just say he should get he should get like five games from it as a first-time offender you know then make a 10 instead make a 10 and say hey you know what here you have a history of trying to hurt people here it is in the video evidence you know and, mm-hmm. and start laying the hammer down on these guys because the only way that you're going to stop these types of incidents is by setting the precedent and letting everyone know that, hey, we mean business. This stuff is going to end. It's going to stop. And by heavily finding him and, you know, kind of using that against him as a, as a rap sheet type thing or, or, or you know, as something that's going to boost, you know, the length of a suspension, then um, I, I don't see any other way that you can do it because I, I you can't – obviously, you, you just – you can't suspend somebody for – a, a miss like that you, you can't it, yeah and ob- obviously we're saying in a perfect world he would do that uh because yeah it's it's one It'll of those things happen. you can't have it in the game so and i know I, I i actually looked over as i'm looking at the poll i saw some of the comments you can't suspend a guy for something that they didn't do i understand that you got it but i'm also saying that you have to send a message yeah and you can't find him for something that they that they intended to do but here's the thing. And we're talking about Nazem Kadri taking out Jordan Bennington. So there's obviously the frustration for the St. Louis Blues and their teammates. So it, uh, let's transfer it to Igor. If you're going to do something like that, it has to be in the course of a play. Because if you, you don't do it after he scores a goal, because then you're just getting beat, you're a sore loser. Dale Hunter is one of the most disgusting acts I've ever seen on a hockey rink. And that includes Mike Milbury going up to the stance. Another thing is Perron did get fined five thousand for the cross check on Kadri, but what is that? What is that going to do? These guys get paid millions and millions of dollars. Five thousand dollars to them is nothing. If if you really want to stop that type of stuff, how about you you make them you fine them more? Like something will actually you know affect their wallet. Five thousand, ten ten thousand. That's nothing to them. Absolutely nothing to them. Go, go. Remember when it was five hundred dollars is the max they could be fined in the playoffs, Philk. Oh, that that yeah, the fine the fine limit of five k is really something that they need to get rid of, and I've been saying this for a while because that that's just ridiculous. This uh, the 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 NHLPA will never go for that, unfortunately, and that's really yeah. the biggest problem. Um, but that needs to be overturned. That it, it start start fining athletes who want to do you know garbage acts like these and, and cowardly dirty plays 
because that you're letting them get away with it because that that's that's where it's going to hurt them the most. Like Anthony said, you hit them in the wallet and they're going to start doing this crap. They're going to oh well, you know what? That's going to take away from my uh, my kid's college fund. They're going to think twice about doing it. So you know what? You know get what? rid of that, you know- and then we can start having more more you know advanced conversations, and you'll see a lot less of these incidents happen. It's also take away the playing time because if they're not playing, then they're not making any money. And now it's yeah. now it's a real thing. You don't need to have yeah. a situation like uh, I'll use a fictional example: Rob Lowe in Youngblood, where he's celebrating a goal. In the meantime, somebody took out Patrick Swayze, knocked his helmet off, and he cracked his head on the ice. Yep, it's Cracky. it's it is absolutely just something that you can't have in the game. And it's not even like if you had a rooting interest or anything, or if you hate Nazem Kadri, you also don't want to see that happen to him. And the other thing you also don't want to have is people sending them death threats. So that's just, that's just ridiculous. Like, it, no, absolutely not. We're, we're all educated fans. We can all be smart. There's plenty. Just no, get it out of the game. Just keep, keep all that stuff out of the game. And David Perron, I know his frustrations there, but Anthony, you were right. I thought he held up. Nope. Not Kadri got around it. So uh, so thank you for correcting me once again on that. Going to go to um, this one's a little bit of a loaded question and a little bit of a tricky one. So I'm interested to hear what you guys think. If the Florida Panthers, who just got swept after winning the President's Trophy, want to win a Stanley Cup right now, they need to move on from Andrew Brunette, who is nominated for Coach of the Year. It's an insane question, but it's one that we have to ask, especially with all the coaches that are available for the Panthers right now. Philk, go ahead and start us off. I'm going to go beer here because I don't, I don't really think that their loss to Tampa was really his fault. I, I, I would consider Barry Trotz there. I, I think that would be a guy that could really get them over the hump. Um, I, uh, I'd imagine that that might be conversations that they're having internally right now as we speak. Uh, but they ran into a buzzsaw in Tampa and they ran into one of the best goalies that probably he's got probably going to go down as one of the best goalies ever when it's all said and done, Andre Vasilevsky. They ran into a great team, a, a two time defending champion. Um, and even with the additions they made at the deadline, Giroux, Sherratt, uh, even though I think Sherratt is heavily overrated. But um, it bolstered an already really good team. And I thought it would make them a tougher team to play against in the playoffs. And Tampa was just like, okay, like we don't care about this. We're the champions for a reason. And we're going to take you out. So um, I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily coaching. Like you could look at it that way and say, hey, you know what? They made these additions and, and they still couldn't get it done. And, you know, obviously some of the owners get put on the coach at that point. But I, I just think they ran into a better team with a better coach, with a much better goaltender. And they just were at the wrong place, the wrong time. They were going to have to go through Tampa, I think, one way or the other. And ended up being the second round due to the playoff format instead of the conference finals. Because I think if they would have faced them in the conference, they would have done the same thing to them. So um, I'm going to say beer here. Anthony. I'm going to go beer, too. Um, not to take anything away from Brunette, but um, the Panthers have a really, really talented team. I think um, 
you know, that, that makes his job a lot easier. Um, and not for nothing, but they, they had trouble with the Capitals, who I thought they should have, you know, really ran through the Capitals. I know they are much more experienced, um, but I wasn't impressed with them in that round against uh, Washington. And like Phil said, Tampa Bay, they're the back-to-back champs. I, I don't know. I don't fault him for losing for Tampa Bay and getting swept. Um, but with that said, I, I think maybe it, with a more veteran coach, uh, with the talent they have, I think they could go further. Um, but again, I, it's not all in Brunette. I think he deserves another year, um, and I'd be surprised if they moved on from him. Um, but you know, maybe in a year or two, if he doesn't get the team over the hump, then they make a move. But right now, um, I don't think they need to do it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go beer on this, and the reason why it's even a beer at all. It's funny we're saying this with a guy that's nominated for the coach of the year, but it's hard when you're a team that needs to. Uh, win in the playoffs with a rookie coach or a, a, a learning head coach. And this is the reason why I was opposed to Mark Messier being the Rangers head coach back in 2014 when they had a chance at going to win the Stanley Cup. You need a veteran coach. You need somebody that's been through the grind, can actually move, uh, uh, get players to do better in the playoffs. And you're telling if you're telling me you can, you can have Barry Trotz or, or – um, Mike Babcock, or uh, I mean, hell, who knows? Maybe even, uh, I mean, I almost want to say Joel Quenville, but <laughs> that that ain't happening. But it's it's one of those things. There were a lot of veteran coaches out there, a lot of good choices, and I think Brunette's got a good future as far as a head coach goes. But if the Panthers want to win, and it's now, and you have to do it, but they're going to lose Giroux, they're going to lose Sharat. Uh, so I, they might be right back in this situation. As Mike Rupp said, one thing that they're doing is they're um, it's easy to go, hey, we're down six to two versus New Jersey on a Sunday afternoon. Let's go turn it on. And when you're in the playoffs, you can't do that against Tampa Bay Lightning. So there you go. All right. So that concludes the Bar Talk segment right now, guys. I, I know we kind of um, did a lot, went around the league, but. Now we're going to be doing some Q&A now and to close all this out. And I got to start with this one. David Dean brought up a great, a great point. I just, and I know about this thoughts on the 24 for 64 switch. Phil. I don't get why they broke up the kid line to do that. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I think Capo Caco has been really good for them. Was his game last night as good as all the other games he's played in the playoffs? No, but you, you took him away from his line mates that had been the best line throughout the playoffs, and you, you changed everything up. I, I just I don't get this. I, I, I get that the results ended up being overall what was best for the team, but I, I really I really think that had minimal impact on why they were winning. So, um, I, I, again, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I'm i okay with giving Mott some extra ice time or even promoting him for a little bit. But uh, this it was also a temporary thing too, right? Because I think they ended up getting back to the kid line again by the third period because he did the same thing in game one. They moved Andrew Kopp to the 3C, and they had a great first shift, and then he went right back to the lines in the second period that they've always had. So, uh, Yeah. But, all right, let's take some more uh, questions or comments. I do, by the way, Sean, I agree with you on that. If Coach Q was there, it might have been different. But you know what? You shouldn't have done what you did 10 years ago. I'll say that. 
Um, yeah, there's a couple of other ones. Uh, oh, no, hold on. That, that wasn't one. All right, so Kako looked lost on the fourth line and Mott looked out of sync. Yeah, I would, I would agree with this. I would absolutely agree with that there. I just think that the fits are kind of wonky, if you will. So get rid of that comment. And the last comment that I had that was bookmarked from him was, why did he do it? Uh, and um, I think he was just looking for a different look. I, yeah, I don't or to jump start some players. Yeah, coaches just like to yeah. sometimes put things in the blender, just shake things up. Yeah, yeah, just to see what uh, what what happens with certain line uh, combinations and see if what players can play with each other. Just don't have the ability to play with others, you know. In the event that you know, hey, we go down. You know, and I don't mind him doing it when they're up in a game like that. Like you're up by two, three goals, and you you, you have a good grasp on things. Okay, fine, no problem. You know, experiment with it a little bit. And I, there wasn't at any point when I was watching the, the the replay of the game last night where I was like worried about like it just like Caroline was getting the great great chances that really worried me in previous games against them during the regular season. Like even in game two, like. Yeah, they stifled the Rangers, but Carolina is not exactly pummeling them in their own zone. Nope. And that's like the biggest, like the biggest surprise for me in this series. And that's what Carolina did to them all season. Even in the game that you're them to nothing, they were dominated for 60 minutes and somehow got two, two goals. And yeah. So, um, uh, th- that's not happened in this series. The Rangers. I look at this really series, their- right? And I look at this series, and I think Carolina dominated. Um, period three, game one. They, uh, we'll say they just stifled. I, if you want to use the word dominated, but they stifled the Rangers entirely in game two, and then period one of game three, they threw everything but the kitchen sink at Igor Sesterkin and, and seventeen shots in game in period one of game three, and then. Not much the rest of the uh, – wait, sorry. There was 40, I think, in total because he had 43 saves on that day. Uh, 44, I mean. Uh, but the – Yeah, but a lot of those just, were from outside, though. They weren't exactly chances. So, uh, like, oh, and, you, you trying to just take the deeper dive into it and, and analyze it from that perspective, I it, it, this hasn't been like the regular season worked out. It's funny because the, the Rangers absolutely pumped them in 2020 in the regular season. And then Carolina absolutely destroyed them. And then Carolina has done the same to the Rangers this year. And the Rangers are doing what Car- Carolina did. And, and Philk, if you remember that playoff series and Anthony, you remember the bubble, what changed around that playoff series entirely, the almost the second shift of the game, Brady Shea nailing Jesper Faust. So potentially speaking the, and by the way, again, Sean McDonough, just, you know exactly why the, that Ryan Reeves was out there because Max Domi did what he did the night before. That's why he was right there. Yeah, I, I, it, I, Anthony, your thoughts? Your thoughts on sending out the bruisers at the end and everybody objecting to it? I mean, it's kind of par for the course in, in playoff hockey. Sometimes with that, um, you, you know, especially if there's something lingers on from the prior game and you read the games already in hand. It's usually always, almost always going to happen. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't 
have a problem with it. Yeah, especially if you're going to try to pull your garbage like what Max Domi did the other night, then that's what you're going to get right back. So here's what you could do. Not retaliate. Yeah. I don't know. You know what? Reeves not retaliating, not punching Tony D'Angelo or Max Domi. That says it all. He he knows he's in their heads right now, and he's doing his job. And, and exactly what we want from Revo, Big Daddy Revo, doing the work. So um, I I need a, a Photoshop of Ryan Reeves' face on Kevin Nash as Diesel's body, and where it says Big Daddy on the ring attire, it should say Big Daddy Revo. Because that's what he's doing right now. Glasses and everything. I'll, I'll throw this out to you guys. What's the biggest surprise of the playoffs for you so far? Uh, I, I have to go back to what I uh, I said before. Um, the fact that Carolina absolutely um, clobbered the Rangers during the regular season. And the Rangers are just, they've cleaned up everything in their defensive zone against him. Or against them, and um, my other one would probably be the Oilers up three uh, one on Calgary right now. Like I, yeah, I can't. David Wood is saying right here. Yeah, that. I would say Ed- Edmonton being up on Calgary was a surprise, um, and I also think Florida um, going out. You know, I had them going to Colorado, going play Colorado in the Stanley Cup Finals in the playoff pool. We do. Um, you know, I thought I thought that this was the year that you know maybe Tampa Bay, you know, doesn't possibly go all the way again and i thought florida was a good team to um to get a good team to take them down but that didn't happen but i mean speaking of florida when we were talking about them before in brunette there was a comment from two people saying that you know bobrovsky they need a new goalie or bobrovsky needs to go oddly enough um elliot freeman said in his 32 thoughts podcast that uh he said from what he understands he thinks that florida tried to trade him this year or at least lay the groundwork to do so um, he said he, he said he's not sure if it they'll they'll gonna be able to do it because of his contract, but um, it seems like they they would try to move Bobrovsky if they could find a team that would take his contract, and um, I think that that's something that would help them a lot. Um, but I mean, I can't really see a team jumping through a hoop to take a guy who's making ten million dollars a year in Sergey Bobrovsky. I, I mean, I would think Florida would either a have to retain a good portion of it. Or B, they would have to attach, you know, a pretty decent asset to him to get a team to take him. Or that contract coming back that way. Yeah. Like, it would be uh, similar to uh, trying to remember when Roberto Luongo was traded for uh, Todd Bertuzzi. And, and stuff, and that 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 just did not work out. But I mean, Bobrovsky's uh, not even a bad goalie. It's just he shouldn't be making ten million dollars a year. I mean, no, I know I'm, he. You know, like, well, I first off, let me let, let me say this. I, I talk about things that I first guessed, and Bobrovsky seemed like a natural fit to go to Florida, and he was going to do well. But the problem I had with it also is you then draft Spencer Knight in the first round. It's you can't have both. Because you're well, going to run into problems first, and then yeah, they drip, they drip exactly. tonight first. So it, it's so all right. So it was, it was it was one then two, but still you you don't you don't draft a goalie in the first round and then use your mega buck dollars to go 
and get Bobrovsky. By the way, thank you for doing that, Florida, because the Rangers got our Sammy Panarin very easily uh, from that because he was rumored to go to Florida and, of course, also across the town to the New York Islanders. But it's just one of those things. It's just it's it, it boggles my mind. And the worst part is Bobrovsky played well, in all honesty. He, he kept Florida in that series. The yeah, way he, he didn't, didn't, he, jump, he, didn't just, yeah. he didn't play he didn't play bad, but um I mean again look at it. What teams are gonna take what teams are gonna take him? Um I mean I'm assuming he's got he got no trade protection, but I highly doubt he'd go to Buffalo. I highly doubt he'd go to Arizona, teams that could take that salary. So I think Florida's screwed there, personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and the part is, is that you have Knight who looks like he's ready to be the starter and that could save them a whole bunch of cap if they could find at least somebody to take that contract at 75%, I would say. You know, that would even, because no take moving on. But it, it was just a dumb contract from day one. And we saw how that those contracts worked, you know, for 30 plus year old goaltenders when Henrik Lundqvist who got, what, eight, eight and a half million. That was, that was even high for him. And then Carey Price that contract is abysmal and he got that also at 31 years old. So the biggest problem I had with that deal was the fact that Bobrovsky had really two great seasons, like not saying that he's bad. I'm not trying to, you know, downplay his career or anything like that. But if you think about it, he had two great seasons. One was a shortened season in 2013 in which he won the Vezina. And the other one was his other Vezina year. And he got basically a big, big deal from based off the two seasons. And you know mm-hmm. what? When you start throwing a franchise player type contracts, the goalies who are on the other side of 30, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. And this is what's happening now. <laughs> I mean, he could always just, they could always just trade him to Philly and go, hey, you see, this is what your life could have been. <laughs> and then he'd be retiring any minute. Um, uh, Steven had an interesting question on this, which was Ottawa saying that the seventh overall pick is in play. I mean, that's not getting it done for the seventh overall. I can tell you for that the right seventh now. overall. No, no way. No, I don't think so. But no. I mean, Ottawa—that's not a bad they're, decision to make. But they're still they're still a rebuilding team. So if, if they did make that trade, I would say they what they would want an established young player for seventh overall. Not yeah, they're un- unknowns. They have to look more at like the um, the Corey Schneider for um, yes. Signal pick that yeah. New Jersey made you. Yeah. I would look more at that trade at this. But, yeah, um, exactly. You're you're going to need somebody a little younger, and uh, Ottawa. There's there's no, and they're in even a worse position, Ottawa, because they they don't need anybody that's closer to thirty or on the other side of thirty or anything like that, because they're still a rebuilding team. So they're going to want somebody that's really going to fit within their uh their time frame so that's definitely not getting it done though i could tell you that right now yep um, and i think, and I think Ottawa's, put it into uh the instagram uh uh inbox i, I think Ottawa was also in the same boat as arizona where i think those two teams are going to look to take uh take unwanted salaries from other teams and get assets while doing it because they they're going to need to reach the cap floor so i think those are the type of moves they're going to look to take as well look to make as well yeah. All right. So again, uh, I guess when Florida was drafting Knight, think was thinking even with Bob, we don't know if we have the guy. So let's double down and increase the odds on a number one goalie. But yeah, but it, just like just like football, that's if you got two small. quarterbacks, you don't have one. So yeah. that's small. 
I, yeah. I get the whole Aaron Rodgers, Brett, Brett Favre, um, you know, battery mate mentality that they wanted to go for to have the quarterback uh, developer, even if you want to talk about, uh, you know, Alex Smith in front of Patrick Mahomes for a season there or two. But um, it, it just it was a very, very risky move. Um, they could have went out and, you know, signed another veteran out there. You know, even even Varlamov actually probably would have been the better play there because it would have cost them less. And I, yes. I, I honestly think Barlamov behind Florida could put up similar numbers to what Bobrovsky's put up there so far, if not maybe even better. So um, they went out and spent the whole extra money, a whole lot of extra money on a guy who had two Vezinas to his name for two really good seasons, as opposed to making a smarter play for a similar goaltender in a similar, you know, stratosphere who didn't have the accolades that Bobrovsky had. So, and, and it's come back to bite them. And speaking of Bobrovsky, I just looked it up. He does have a full no movement clause that on July 1st of 2024 becomes a 16 team, um, no trade list. So, uh, yeah, it, they're, they're kind of screwed there. I don't see him waving his, his NMC to go to Seattle or Buffalo or, you know, Arizona or any or anything like that. So because what I team needs a goalie? That's that's the well, thing. Bad teams need goalies, not good teams. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's well, like for instance, the Devils. I think the Devils are gonna be looking for a goalie. I think they're losing faith in Blackwood, who's been who's been hurt. Um, Bernier, who they signed last year, was hurt. I think they're gonna look for a goalie. Um, but again, I don't think Bobrovsky would go to New Jersey. Um I mean, maybe he prefer like New Jersey more than a place like hurt. Buffalo, but I don't think New Jersey wants a guy who's there on the wrong side of thirty on a rebuilding team. So, um, one comment I want to highlight is this: this is in in it's kind of in lieu of that one thing I will say for sure is I don't think you're going to see other teams trading their first next year. You know why? Because next year is the Connor Bedard draft, and I don't think teams are going to want to give up their firsts in that in that draft because you never know what's going to happen. And why would you want to lose that piece and essentially, you know, give up all hope in getting Bedard. So, and, I don't and also the Russian kid too is in that draft too, right? Matt Bay Metchkov. Yeah. He, he's talked about as being one of the potential best goal scorers in the league. One day kid was crushing uh, Russian junior numbers that not even Alexander Ovechkin was putting up. So um, yeah, Matt Bay Metchkov. They they might consider him a quote unquote consolation prize, but holy shit, it'd be an amazing consolation prize to get. Yeah, that's. that's I'm looking at myself true. and just thinking, oh my goodness, I look terrible right now. Uh, yeah, that would be a pretty good one because he's he's drawing comparisons to Kaprizov, isn't he? Um, it, a lot of it's it's. I wouldn't say Kaprizov. It, it's. It's not – he's more of a goal scorer than Kaprizov is, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Kaprizov is more of a playmaker. Mishkov is more of a natural sniper like Ovechkin, just without the size. Uh, yeah. Mishkov might be arguably the best sniper to come along in any draft, uh, probably since Ovechkin, honestly. I mean, maybe Matthews, but um, – it just yeah, and Stevens right there. Bedard and Mitchkov in the same draft is like Crosby and Ovechkin in in the same draft year. It's just that's what it is. It's 
Bedard is going to be the the dynamic playmaker, and Match uh, Mishkov is going to be the uh, the 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 all world class sniper. And that's and uh, yeah, I'm with Anthony on this. Nobody is trading those two uh, any any first round pick 2023 because you you're not going to you know throw away a chance at losing out on one of those guys because you never know what happens. Who thought the Islanders were going to miss the playoffs? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's why why I don't see any team moving their moving their first. I mean, I really. What was the discussion about the Islanders back in November? Shane Wright. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You guys were you guys were preparing for Shane Wright back in November. Who knows what can happen during the course of the. Which is still so crazy, and that was in the middle of uh, all the losing. Which, by the way, Shane Wright is I, he draws some comparisons to Patrice Bergeron. So. Yeah, I, I think he could be a really good number one two way center. Yeah. Well, the number one thing out of all of it is that the Arizona Coyotes could try to lose; they're not going to win the lottery. So, I mean, after all the Connor McDavid draft, they were they were set up to lose uh, to get Connor McDavid, and they ended up getting Dylan Strom. That worked out well. <laughs> you lose yeah, out on yeah. Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel. I I pray I pray to God that Bedard doesn't end up in Arizona. Can you imagine a possible generational talent like that playing in front of an arena that only holds five thousand people? That would be that would be just terrible. I'm gonna oh. highlight this one, Alexander. By the way, Alexander, welcome to the show. Uh, this is the first time I'm seeing you. Uh, I I know you're thinking on it, but no, that wasn't a dirty hit. Uh, no, he was already committed to the hit, and uh, Domi was in the middle of falling. So between those two things, it was going to look – I know it looks bad live, but you can see Domi start to lose an edge, and he's coming in to hit him. Now, I, I put the elbow up, but it really – he had the, the shoulder tuck. The fact that Domi was already off balance, and the way that it looks in a replay doesn't give you how quickly it happens in – real life in in real time uh so uh, i mean the uh, and i don't want to hear anything about him leaving his feet because he didn't leave his feet until after contact domi stays on his feet and like steven says here it's it's right into the chest so that's domi's fault no truba never left his feet he didn't not until not until after the contact yeah i but you here's the thing i don't think he could have i don't think he could have no he he couldn't to the hit you know what? I, I don't want to be the guy that says, you know, have you ever played hockey? Because it, it's to me, a lot of that is it, it comes off condescending. But there's a lot of discourse from people who truly don't understand how quickly these things happen and how much can change in a snap second like that. And it's Anthony and I have played together for 17 years. I've, I've known Anthony. Um, Mark has played for over 30 years longer. He's probably played almost as long as I've been alive. Um, and that says a lot, but, um, 31. yeah, they get you being old, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's literally a split second and I, it's not even just, it's not even just with him. It's, it's, I see this all over the internet and, and I'm just, I laugh at it because, you can tell who doesn't understand the physics and how quickly these things happen and how the speed of the game is. 
it, it's it, also like it, in a perfect world that he would be able to let up as soon as he knew Domi was falling. But if you're going, I'm going to hit this guy like right here, you're literally talking about trying to do this. I, I couldn't even avoid my hand right there. And I was trying to slap my own hand. So it, 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 you're in a way, Stephen, you're right. It has nothing to do with playing the game, but it also does because there's a lot of people who just don't understand the fact that these things happen in a split second. You don't have enough time to avoid these things. The, uh, the Truba hit on Crosby. I mean, that happened because Truba's stick ended up pushing out Crosby's skate. Crosby went down and everybody caused a hissy fit about that. I mean, Domi's already falling. It, this is easy to see. So it's, it's, it's a different instance, but there are so many bang, bang, split second plays that happen in hockey. And there are a lot of people who don't understand it because they haven't been on a surface where they don't have control of what they're doing. Like you're skating at upwards of anywhere of, you know, five, if you're a regular athlete like us, five to 10 miles an hour, up to 20 miles an hour if you're Connor McDavid. And these things just happen in a flash. There's no way you have time to hold up on some of these things. Well, Alexander, that's why we talk. And that's why we always focus on actually discussing all these things. It's never, we never want to talk down to you. We want to always, always <clears throat> talk about those things. By the way, I'm a long suffering Dolphins fan. And uh, I, <laughs> I feel your pain on that as well. I'm not, I don't think two is going to be the guy over there either. Um. Anthony, didn't you highlight a different one right there? You, oh, it was uh, Wicked's where it was. Yeah, because we were still talking about the Arizona thing from what I said. Bedard playing in front of 5,000 people would be – so there were some comments trickling. It, it, it's, only gonna be, it's probably going to be for two years. They're going to get it – they're going to get it done in Arizona. I, I don't I think they, they said, the Coyotes. I thought they said the window was like three to five years. I heard two originally. Oh, boy. I hope, well, I, it's – it's a disaster, regardless of how of, of how you slice it. it doesn't <laughs> yeah? I would love and to by see the way, them again. I like to be proven wrong. Um, just um, I have to bail out though. I gotta get ready to go to work, so I will. No problem. Phil. Take it easy. We'll probably hang on just a little bit longer too. Yeah, so I'm not ending the stream this time. But take care, everybody. See you <laughs> <Okay>. later. <laughs> All right. Um, Dr Darren uh, Darren Dreger said that the Habs are set to offer St. Louis a contract extension. That's that's pretty good news. Yeah, uh, it sucks for us because you almost got him on the show, and yeah. uh, and he said he would do it in the future. But you know what? Probably like, not I, I like Marty St. Louis and the job that he did. Um, yeah, uh, yesterday uh, with the Canadians. Sorry, I started reading a question, but. Anthony, we talked about this the other day, and I'm going to highlight Alexander again, and then Everest, I got you right after that. But what do you think about ESPN's coverage? I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't mind it. Um, but I mean, I think TNT's great. Yeah, TNT's done the better job, but yeah, but I, I don't think ESPN's done a terrible job. There's, there's been a times where I've questioned them. Like some of their camera angles, I'll be like, why are we focusing right here? Or yeah, um, or they'll do that behind the net uh, coverage for way too long. Or, I mean, 
and and, and again, and I actually like Ray Ferraro and Emily Kaplan. So I, yeah, I like no I like Ray them. Ferraro. Yeah, he, Ray Ferraro was on our show. And yes, Ray Ferraro, we had him on back in uh, yeah. back in November. And you know something about him? It, this is this is what's great about him. He said, "I can only do about fifteen to twenty minutes." It yeah, was a twenty-eight he, minute video, right, and yeah. he would have stayed longer. We had to let yeah. him go. So. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna I'm, start banging. I'm gonna start banging that drum at the end of the show where I try to convince everybody for you guys to get Mark McCall Lou. So it's coming, it's coming. He, he has the number. He has the number, ladies and gentlemen. He just chooses not to do it in front of everybody. So just keep that in mind. I gotta see whether or not that's even in my contacts. I could have sworn <laughs> I deleted it to make sure it was gone. Oh, don't um, worry, I can, I can scroll back and find it. Oh my goodness! I actually didn't even realize it. My cousin is fifty today, and it was his birthday. Big so, five zero, big five zero, and also if you guys haven't seen uh, Phil and my editorials last year uh, on it, this is the anniversary of the Messier guarantee today. That was wow, twenty eight years ago. That was yeah. twenty eight years ago, and um, also the. Eighth anniversary right now, Marty St. Louis scoring the OT winner and uh, Filk, a very, a very good yeah. editorial on that one. But it just, what, is, what, are your, um, what are your what are your thoughts on the game tonight? The Blues and the Avs. Do you think the Avs? I think Avs close them out. Uh, Billy Huso isn't doing the job Jordan Bennington did. And it's. I think that's the only way to describe it. Just he's, he's, he's not doing the job and the blues have been undisciplined. The blues have gotten in their own way. And I mean, I'm more surprised that the greatest former New York Ranger of all time, Pavel Buchnevich, whom I like, but if you ever look at Rangers Twitter, I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to go in that. He's still goalless at the playoffs and he needs yeah, to score. I, who? And I thought, I thought they're going to make this more of a series. Go Who's ahead. goalless? Bucinevich. No, he scored the other he scored the other night. Oh, he did? My bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um yeah. and I should I have done know, my I, job I think, and looked that up before I went yeah. on a rant. <laughs> I think uh, uh I think the Blues are gonna win. I mean, I think the Avs are gonna close them out, but I, I think the uh, eventually, but I think the Blues are gonna win tonight. That's just my gut feeling. I really thought they had the, the, the chops to pull it off. The but... first, yeah, the, the first, the first two games were were really were really good. It showed that it could be a series, but um, you know, then Bennington got hurt, and Colorado's kind of ran ran off with it after that. But I think the Blues win tonight. And again, I am not slamming the guy. I just you you think I yeah. I, I liked him. I, I I really did like him. I wish they yes, never could have. Yeah, he scored I, the I, last game. I just forgot about that one. The last, the last I heard from the from the Blues beat writer from the Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, uh, I think it was in February. He said, as far as he understands, that nothing has changed with Tarasenko's trade request, and that you know he still would like to be traded, um, you know, potentially this offseason. So, yeah, uh, he proved his shoulders healthy. Um, so now St. Louis could actually probably get a you know dec- a lot back for him in return. So they'll get more. Um, so it looks like waiting paid off. But yeah, he definitely might be on the market, and that's someone that the Islanders should be um, should take a look at for sure. Yeah, 
Um, that's definitely a guy that I've been saying that the Islanders should go after for a while. They need a trigger man for that power play. And he, the and, Islanders are one of the the Islanders are one of the teams that he said he would he would have gone to too. So, um, you know, I would I would like for them to get him, but he's he's um he's third. I I prefer Gaudreau, Forsberg, and then and then Tarasenko. Well, actually fourth, Gaudreau, Forsberg, Fiala, and then Tarasenko, just because Fiala is younger. But um, I I would absolutely love for the Islanders to get Tarasenko or any of those four guys. Anthony, I got to highlight this one. It is it is a hundred percent right. It is hard not to look at the the lightning and give them. Yeah, you know back. I I um obviously they beat my Islanders last two years in a row, but you got to respect what they're doing. They're on an incredible run, ten straight playoff series victories. Um, so you know I uh yeah I I, I respect them for sure. Um, a couple of Isles related here. Yeah. I, I hear you. There were Islander fans last year when you when they suggested trade for Tarasenko. They're like, oh, well, his shoulder or his shoulder surgery is damaged goods, which I get. But I told people the issues were paired. The reason why he wanted out was because the Blues doctors essentially kind of botched it and never fixed the issue. He went and got a, a doctor outside the organization to actually fix it. And he held, you know, harbored ill will from there. But um, I said that I wasn't concerned about it and they should have got him. And now it's going to cost them a lot more they get them this year as opposed to last year so um also i just gotta highlight this it's it is the anniversary of star wars being released in theaters so yeah. the, the the good star wars not the last <laughs> um, um I, I do have to say yes uh, they do yes they do the honors need a finisher and especially i think because all right well alexander's asking about this one we're featuring a lot of him right now but um with the hiring of Wayne Lambert, is there things you would look at and say the Islanders need to do X differently? Phil for us. Um, well, again, he, he's, he's, he learned from under trots. So I think, and he even said in his, uh, in the media availability, he said, one thing's never going to change. He said that they are going to be a really hard team to play against. So he's going to, he's going to keep some of trots's schemes instilled in the team but I think he, I think he also recognizes that the team needs to score more goals and provide um, more offense. So I, I think he's going to tinker with that. I think he's going to give Barzell more freedom to showcase his skill. Uh, so I think things are going to be a little different in that regard. And, but even the way they kind of have the talent in the lineup, do you think they should go to be more of a top heavy team or you think they should still stick with the way that they have a very spread out lineup? Or that's at least that's my opinion. The Islanders, I think they got a very talented spread out lineup, but uh, Anthony, did, oh, yeah, there he is. You know, I'm pros. I lost you there for a minute. Not a problem. So, and what I was saying with that is, should the Islanders like try to become more of a top-heavy team? And I think I've, I lost them again. Uh, all right, we have life. He, he moved. I'm waiting to see what. If Anthony's moving again, let me highlight this one right now. Um, Donnell, the NHL needs to go back to a one versus eight matchups. It's better. At least, at least, you know, 
which team is playing uh, who in this playoff format. You know something? Uh, I think both formats are great. I, I honestly do. Um, one through eight, the last year of this, sorry, the second to last year of this, when it was one through eight, was the 2012 season. That was the second to last year. And it was the Rangers became the first team to ever play the six, seven, and eight team. And the devil, oh, sorry, not the devils. The Kings became the first team ever to play the one, two, and three seats. So it's, it, it does happen like that sometimes, but I kind of do like it. You have to go through your division rival. I, this is sort of like the way it used to be back in the early nineties where you had one versus four and two versus three in a division. And then you had to move on from there. So it, the one thing I got to give cred, the NHL credit for, the NHL is never afraid to tinker with their product, which is funny because when the NHL happens, um, I'm not so much anti uh, NHL. It's just, or them taking, taking with their product. I'm anti baseball, taking with their product. I think baseball has been fine. You don't, tinker with baseball and they keep tinkering with baseball so that's just what i think and it must have at&t internet yes um yeah and by the way steven i think that's interesting and kind of weird like i mean i think john sherholtz traded his own son if i recall correctly and um dave lowry had to coach his kid so I, I don't know. Uh, we're going to go. Uh, I'll go two more minutes, guys, since everyone has left me either willingly or uh, by force in Anthony's case. Uh, it's not the infamous Mark 10 more minutes. It's it's only going to be two more minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. DH catchers and shortstops and anyone they want. Yeah. I, I, I hate the DH. I am a baseball purist. I think if you pick up a bat, you pick up a glove and you you play the field more, you get better at it. That's just a simple fact. And I can't help, but <laughs> well, I know everybody on the air, I, Steven, I'll always have you. I, I don't have any problem with that, but, um, but I'm going to get back to Wickets in a second. It's I thought they had the perfect format where it was all the division winners and then the play-in round for the playoffs. I know they discussed the best of three for the for the wild card. Shut up. If you're in the wild card, that's it. it it's You get one shot. I mean, I'll quote Eminem. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. Because opportunity comes once in a lifetime. <laughs> Speaking, speaking about things, uh, I remember when he first came out, I told my friend that he was a talentless hack, and now I have Eminem songs on my on my iPod. So, uh, I don't know if you saw my messages or not, but I heard from someone the Islanders uh, on the Islanders beat that they have a deal for Tarasenko last year, but they couldn't work the numbers out. Yeah, well, it, it's, pro- it's probable. I mean, there's some things, by the way, that I have that I just... I just, oh, wait, hold on. Hold on, I got Anthony back. Good, because this one's a good one for you, Ant. Good thing you're coming back now. Yeah, I, I don't know what's wrong. My uh, 
with my my Wi-Fi. It's been really good. I pay optimum the most for the highest level of Wi-Fi too, and sometimes it still just sucks. But it, sometimes um, it could also be the neighborhood too. Yeah, yeah. Like it's I had that yesterday uh, a couple days ago where I couldn't even replay our own streams, yeah. which was weird for me. Um. Okay. Rich, Rich, Richie, we'll get to that in one second. And you're right about that. Um, I am ignoring it, but, uh, and Matador, I'm going to come back to you in another second on the Messier guarantee versary because we're going to talk about that. But, um, Anthony, the question down here that the Islanders had a trade in place that he heard, but that they didn't have the numbers to work it out. So, I, I actually, um, someone that, um, you know that we kind of know we had on here a contact i'm not gonna say who obviously but um had said they had told me that he had heard the last hit he had heard that tarasenko was told that it was going to be the islanders as to where where he was going to be traded so yeah so what what he's saying could line up with that um especially tarasenko saying he heard that you know it was the islanders he was going to go to um so, yeah, I, I believe that. I guess, uh, you know, if those two things align with each other, um, I guess maybe it just points to, like they said, they couldn't make the they couldn't make the numbers work out with the salary. But um, so, yeah, maybe maybe it's something they they revisit this offseason. Um, you know, if they get shut out on uh, Johnny Gaudreau or, or Forsberg. Yeah. So and. If they if they can do that, then great. But again, like like you said right there, the numbers don't work. And sometimes, by the way, we do get some information from insiders that we then have to exercise journalistic integrity, and it or yeah yeah journalistic integrity. It's two things I would love to get back into the fold with Big Apple Hockey. I would rather have us be a good source for you to go to, even if your, our, our editorials might be off as far as uh, we have different opinions, but there's like, we found out some information the last couple of weeks we have not and will not put on air because it's just correct. Can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it. We want you to, we want to be a reliable source. We don't want to be like, I I quoted this. I quoted that there was a, um, Oh, what was was uh, that that he's referring to? What? This comment I'm highlighting. Um, my question, what you asked. Oh, uh, Don, I'll throw it up there again because I forget which question that was. Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, oh, sorry. No, it's the playoff format. What do you think about the one through eight playoff format? I I love the one through eight playoff format. Um, I mean – Right now, it's essentially is one versus eight, two versus seven, because the the highest seed plays the lowest wild card. But three, six, four, five is slightly different than what it is right now. Um, and I would I would like uh I would like for that to go back to that. I think I think it creates exciting matchups. Um, I also think it creates a situation where um team like I think Toronto was upset that they had to play a team like Tampa Bay in the first round. Um, some teams think playing that good of a team in the first round right off the bat's a little unfair, um, which you know I could, which I could kind of see. So yeah, I, I would like if they went back to that one versus eight, two, seven, three, six, four, five, et cetera. Um, but I don't think Bettman right now has any appetite to change it. Unfortunately, I like the fact that they got the wild cards where you could get the teams outside the division in there, and 
part of me just goes, you know what? Boo-hoo. Beat the team in your from your division. Yeah. And, yep. uh, it, and again, if in, in the case of Toronto, look, maybe we're saying that Toronto was a better team than what we thought. But, you know, if you want to, as Ric Flair said, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. Yep. Woo. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> This is ridiculous too. The guy, the guy's a cancer because he he wanted to be traded because he felt that the team was negligent on on fixing his yeah. shoulder and stuff. Come on, that that's that's ridiculous. There's nothing. Yeah, and sometimes we get those opinions like yeah that yeah. we end up forming. Yeah, uh, I know it's the Mandela effect. We end up seeing and things. So I still can't believe the Mandela effect is a man is is an actual thing. Yeah. People forget they think he died in prison. So I have a funny about he, you know, uh, for this commenter that regarding Tarasenko, and I remember mentioning it. I think I mentioned it when I got back from vacation last summer. But um, I was in Turks and Caicos last mm-hmm. summer with um, with my family, um, and he actually uh, came in via remote during our tra- our free agent free agency. Frenzy. Yeah, go ahead. Um, but I was in Turks and Caicos with the family. And obviously it's summertime in the midst of, you know, it was the draft free agency, a lot of rumors about Tarasenko. Um, and uh, we rented, we rented that, we splurged, we rented a boat. Um, it was like four hours on a boat, just us uh, with, with a captain. And the captain, he was, he was born and raised in, in Turks and Caicos. Like this is what he does, you know, does for a living. He had some family in Florida, but um, I don't know, we got, we got to talking about sports and I told him I like, you know, I liked hockey um, and he was like, oh, he's like, I, uh, he's a couple, he's like, not that long ago, I had a, I had a guy, um, on my boat who played in the NHL. I'm like, oh, really? What, what was his name? And he's like, oh, I think it was a guy who played for the blues, a Russian, uh, Tarasenko. <laughs> and sure enough, he shows me a picture of Tarasenko on, you know, on his boat. And I'm like, all right, I'm like, this has got to be a sign. I'm in Turks and Caicos. What are the chances that this guy says, you know, Tarasenko was on his boat in the midst of all these trade rumors. So I said, yeah. myself, "Like, oh, that's it. Islanders getting Tarasenko. It's just, it's just fate. He's getting <laughs> traded there." Um, but I thought that was funny because you know what, what are the odds? Uh, but yeah, no. So you know, if it if it happens, um, if it happens this off season, uh, you know, then then so be it. It's it's almost similar to when the Islanders traded Ryan Strom for Jordan Eberle for the longest time. There were just like kind of like rumors about Jordan Eberle to the Islanders and, you know, um, and eventually happened. And sometimes it happens. You, there's like a player you think is destined to be on your team and eventually it just happens. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe Tarasenko is destined to be an Islander and maybe it'll finally will happen after a lot of smoke. But, um, well, well, you know, we'll see. I'll welcome with open arms, but I got to tell you, you know, if we signed Johnny Hockey on July 13th, um, you know, you're going to see one happy uh, Anthony LaRocco here. I'll be doing flips. Yeah, well, we're going to be covering that. Uh, Anthony, I got to go from one guy who is being perceived as a locker room cancer to one guy who's kind of got that locker room cancer reputation. And Rich has brought it up. And a couple of you guys brought it up in the in the chat. But I told you we're going to come back to it. Why is everyone ignoring Evander Kane and his 12 goals? I'm certainly not ignoring it. I mean, he's been an incredible pickup for Edmonton. He's he's complimented that line. Um, I mean, Drysaddle, McDavid, Kane. I mean, that line is just dominating right now. Um, and good for Evander Kane. You know, we hear stories about his character and everything he's gone through. But, um, you know, 
to me, I always give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, there's two sides to every story. I know you talked about those COVID violations and all this stuff that he had going on. But um, I'm glad that he's found success. Uh, listen, it's probably easy to play with McDavid, so but I'm not, but I'm not gonna take anything away from him. He's producing, he looks happy, and it's natural fit. So yeah, um, just unfortunately at the end of the day, in terms of Con Smythe and whatnot, when you play with Connor McDavid and with the way he's playing, you know, you're not gonna get the attention maybe that you deserve. But uh, yeah, he he's been excellent. Uh, I think that is your also your answer on that one, Rich. It's just that he's. He's McDavid is the story at 25 points. Uh, Kane's got to score those goals. But I mean, yeah, since you're bringing it up, you know something? 12 goals. That means you're uh, yeah. away from the record. There's never been a 20 goal scorer in the playoffs. No, even, no Wayne Gretzky. No. A matter of fact, by the way, do you know who holds the records for? Uh, there's two guys tied, Anthony. Most goals in the playoff here. Go. Mike Bossy. No. Mario Lemieux? Nope. One of them, I'll, I'll give you a hint, played against the Islanders. It wasn't the year that they did that. He, It's 19. That's the total. Two guys got it. And one of them won the Conn Smythe, but not the Stanley Cup. All, All right. Uh, let's see if anybody got it on here. So far, No. I'm surprised Steven didn't chime on in. Uh, it is at 19 goals, Yari Curry and mm. Reggie the Rifle Leach, who did not uh, win the Consmite. He won the Consmite, but not the Stanley Cup. And I believe it was 76 against the Canadians. And uh, that's 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 an amazing no, that's that an amazing is. postseason. That is. And right now, seven more. So, uh, yeah. And Wow, you're you're just being featured everywhere, Alex. <laughs> so uh, Jacob Markstrom's been even worse, though. Surprisingly yeah, enough, and that's and that's the difference. There, there were two. <laughs> Sean, that's great. Who had 19 goals? It was Patrick Nemeth and Wade Redden. <laughs> um, like just uh, who else just mentioned the the gaff? Um, but. It's uh, it's anyway, but it, it, that that was just weird. He let up a goal from three quarters of the uh, of the ice, but I think it's just he didn't he never saw it. So, I mean, the Rangers had a situation like that in '94. There, yeah. Kevin Hatcher shot a puck all the way down, and it bounced over Mike Richter, and it was like shades of the '92 playoffs. And you're like, oh, all right, hold on, but Richter kept his composure. Rangers won that game, and then they obviously won the Stanley Cup. Nine is retired in Edmonton, right? Uh, I think that was Anderson. I'm not sure. I yeah. guess not, evident. Oh, Kane, Kane's not wearing nine. He's wearing 91. Yeah, he's wearing 91. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah, David's echoing what you just said. As good as Markstrom has been in round one, he's been absolutely terrible in round mm -hmm. two. Yeah. Uh, there was a, I think there was uh, somebody from Latvia that was on like about two weeks or last week with me that we were talking about Sanders Ozelinch, but you love Sanders uh, Lynch. Yeah. He, he was great. Those, those few years of Colorado. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I think he was also one of those players that was traded like, yeah, 
right before the All-Star game and represented his old team while being on a new team. So, uh, by the way, Core, you thoughts? were right about that. What a great playoff game. What are your um, what are your thoughts on uh, July thirteenth with free agency? You're gonna do another live um. Oh yeah, Monday. we're definitely doing that. It's a Monday. I know. <laughs> let me and just. Then, and then let um, me just let me just show you the look on my face yet again. Yep, I know. And then the draft. The draft is July seventh, right? Yes. So, if um. If we get approved to, for the credentials, are you prepared to go to Montreal? Uh, yeah, I keep telling everybody right now that if we get approved, I'm going. I have to. I, I'm oh. going to need coverage. So you, you're uh, you, you're vaccinated to get into O Canada. Yeah, I have. Right. I, I I got the two. I, I took the jab. No, oh, okay. so, all right. I had to. I was going to California for a wedding, and I'm just going. Oh, they're going to make me do this. I am not a needle person, and also, um, you know, it just—it was insurance. Now, what are your? They told me I have to take seven jabs. That's a different story. What are, What are your thoughts on? Um, uh, so the draft is July seventh, and the free agency is on July thirteenth. What are your thoughts on them being a week? You know, a week apart. Do you think? Do you think for more activity and more fun for everybody that they should be like days apart? Or are you okay with six? You know, it's well, it's essentially six days. But I guess my question is, do you think that, you know, the draft should be, uh, let's say, on the seventh and then, you know, free agency is, you know, the next day or two days from then just to kind of lump everything together? Or are you OK with it being a week apart? I'm kind of OK with it being a week apart. You need to give the, the teams a time to negotiate with their their pending free agents and um it also generates more stories, more headlines, mm-hmm. and they're going to do their interviews and stuff like that. And you got to let the dust settle from the draft itself. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. It, that'll, okay. that'll all work. I mean, I wish it was. No, don't get me wrong. I work Sunday nights and I work mon- and Monday nights, <laughs> so I would be hoping that free agent frenzy. Uh, it, the truth is that we'll probably do a, like a three-hour show. I remember last year it ended up being like a five-hour show. No, as Phil and Steven were on just talking after I left. Are you are you also glad that they did away with the whole um, five-day window where leading up to free agency you were allowed to talk to players? Yeah, I'm glad for that. Yeah, because glad, yeah, there's there's a reason. There's actually a reason why you would trade a player's rights. Over like mm-hmm. the Rangers did it with Keith Yandel. They traded his rights over. I think they got like a fifth round pick yeah. or something like that. Farther than find them. I like it. I like it too because it adds more excitement back to the actual day of free agency. Because when you were allowed the the five day window, like a couple of days before, the insiders already were already saying basically, okay, player, you know, player X has signed with, you know, with Team X. Um, and this this is going to be the terms. And then just once Newt hit on that day, they kind of were all announced like at at once. This with that gone, now there's a little bit more excitement build up and kind of like guesswork going into it because you don't you know you don't know prior um, where someone's going to go. I mean, there's exceptions to the rule. There's still there's still like 
reports, okay, well, this player is expected to sign with this team, mm-hmm. but it's not as it's not as bad. And I, I think that's better for fans and it's better for the excitement of the day that that can't happen anymore. That's why I love free agent frenzy when it's going at 12 o'clock and usually you get a couple leaks like our Timmy Panarin was before noon. And then we get on it at, we get on usually, I think the plan's probably going to be, we get on at 1130. I'm probably going to be wearing my hat again, being like, yeah. all right, not looking camera ready like I am today. And uh, then it's going to be that first hour of just bang, 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 bang. I mean, by the way, if you didn't see it last year, we still have it right now. And whenever anybody signs, it's going to be just money flying from the sky. No. Um, how naive is it naive to think that? Because, for instance, I know the five day uh, talking window is gone, but are, are we really to believe that, you know, Big Lou or any other general manager isn't talking to the player they want at all prior to noon on the 13th? Like, do we really think, like, you know, obviously Big Lou might be interested in Goudreau. You really think that, you know, he's not talking to his agent on July 11th or July 12th um, and to kind of get an idea of, of what of what's going through their mind? I don't know. Uh, D, make sure that you uh, take some pictures and throw that up because I'd love thanks, to see Mark, some of those. Thanks for, thanks for ignoring my question. I, really, I, I appreciate no, it. No, no, no. My answer, I'm going to answer that right now. I just wanted to get some of these comments in because I saw some of them. The answer was no. Because uh, let's go with the other direction. Uh, if let's say let's say the Rangers are talking to want to lose free agents, you know what they're going to wake up with horse's head in the bed. But it's 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 one of those things, sort of like RFAs and offer sheets, that there's just like a standard practice. Now, are there? Are there like conversations? Possibly. I think there's definitely conversations. Yeah, it's got the work. The work around that is the players. Yeah. Players get on and and like Steven Stamkos, they were trying to recruit him for Toronto and people go, hey, why don't you come back to your hometown? Maybe you're texting him like that. Because that's one thing the NBA's got. The NBA's got all the players doing recruiting. Can't You can't negotiate that. Yeah. The reason why I that's worry funny. about that Wow. All right. Yeah. Mark, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 No, you know, I, I mean, he, did, he did a great job. I mean, I, I, I could see that, you know, he's, he could be, it seems like he could be pretty intimidating and, um, but by the way, if, if, if that's hard. a case, if that's a case, Anthony, you don't want it done to your franchise. That's why yeah. you probably don't do it to someone but else. You know, one, one thing I'll say about Lou is, um, I like so whenever he does a uh, media availability, whenever someone asks him a question, like you know, for instance, Andrew Gross of Newsday, like before Lou answers the question, he says, Oh, well, first of all, Andrew, you know, how are you doing? Like, you know, he'll, he acts it's so it seems like he really, you know, he really he's nice in the sense that he really cares about the people. He always asks them before he answers it, uh, not every question, but their first question of the session. I'll be like, Oh, well, how are you doing? You know, he'll ask. It seems like he takes an interest in actual person, whereas I don't really think that happens too often. Yeah, well, it also depends on who the person is. I mean, Andrew Gross, probably a really nice guy. Nobody's then you don't hear yeah. anybody doing that to Larry Brooks. Um, but I think also it's sometimes it's an adversarial relationship because like look, the press, and then some guys <laughs> just get along with it. But it's also um there's the expression 
my acting teacher used to say to me, own the room. Whenever you're in it, own the room. And everybody will respect you very you much. And by the way, Poppy, thank you very much. And then on right there. Boom. I mean, and I know you're going to hate this, Mark, but I think I think he's on to something. So, you know, I only got like a couple of minutes left. So I think we should start the peer pressure for Mark to call Lou right now live. <laughs> live in color. Just get on yeah, the maybe horn. he'll ask me how I'm doing today. Just, yeah, just get on the horn. Big like, hey, we're doing a live show right now. Uh, can you tell me anything? Just do it. Uh, Your viewers want to see it. They want they want to see Mark Williams call Big Lou on the telephone. And it'll be like, not let's talk about journalistic integrity. And now I'm going to be calling <laughs> Big Lou, cold calling him out of the blue. And I'm cold too. So it's going to get even worse. <laughs> it, uh, 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 By the way, Jack Longquist, uh, right over here. I'm so interested <laughs> to see the way uh, things play out Thursday night. We dominate both home <laughs> games and barely lost the games in Raleigh 1 and 2. That's, that's still the positive I can say about this with the Rangers. The Rangers only lost by one goal those two games. Bounce yeah. the other way, and, and, it, and you don't have to worry right. about that. Or you fix that back check in game one, the one that tied the game. So, Poppy, can you can you maybe expand on that? What What's, what's up with him? Um, and then I can, uh, you know, really kind of dive into that. John D. Lee, that's a good question, too, in a moment. We're getting a lot of Islander questions today. That's so. good. No, that's good. That? That's it's good. good. We always want to be informed, guys. Yep. It's not always just about the Rangers. Big Lou does his lives via carrier pigeon. He might. <laughs> he might. Or he, I think, I think, big. you think, like, general managers go into the team's office for the day and does work. You think. You think Bill Big Lou drives to some like um, some Italian like deli or like a butcher shop somewhere in New Jersey, and then in the back he sits down and that's where he does his that's where he does his meetings, all like Sopranos, like he just kind of go along <laughs> with that mafia Lou theme. Yeah, I was thinking. Uh, I think there was a guy on Justified that did the same thing too. But you know what? Hell, why not lean into it? Make. Perception is nine ten. Uh, what is the expression? I think it's perception is nine tenths of reality. Yeah. So it's it's definitely something there. In the fish rub. All right. Yeah. So that that's um. There were some rumors going on around with that when Trotz was let go. That people said, "Oh, it was Barzell said he wasn't signing an extension if if uh, Trotz was still here." Um, Elliot Freeman in his thirty two thoughts uh, around the time that happened. He he said he had kind of addressed that. He said that he has he has no reason to believe that any of that is accurate, and that there was no rift between Barzell and Barry Trotz. So um, Elliot's one of the best in the biz. So you kind of you kind of got to go um, with what he says there. So no, I, I don't I don't think that's true. Do I think that maybe Barzell and, and Trotz kind of batted heads a little bit um, based on their styles? Yes. Um, but I don't think Matt Barzell is a, anything close to a coach killer. I and, it, and those reports are definitely out there. I know there's some videos I, I scrolled by on Facebook. I didn't, or or even on YouTube, that people have made, and they got thousands of likes and thousands of views. But they're really kind of nothing burgers, uh, where it's to, to use a, a line from, well, basically a lot of places have used that line now. Where it's, oh, I, I think this happens. They cite a blog source about that. And, and it ends up being all phony information. Like, again, yep. I was talking yesterday about the Tony D'Angelo exit from the New York Rangers. 
and where there was the the blog post about him stealing K Andre Miller's puck, and I still can't help but say things don't add up with me on that. They yeah. still don't add up because one of the people that was reportedly calling him after uh, he after he got punched by Georgiev or texting him was Kendra Miller. Yeah. So it's when the presidents of clubs have to debunk false information, and it's just and mm-hmm. when we're going to report things, we're going to report things because they're facts. Yeah, we're not going to report hearsay. Yeah, but, just... to the, but, but to the root of the question, I don't think Barzell was a, a coach killer and have any. I don't think he was any reason why Trotz was which, let go. Which is yes, that was that was the root of the question. Yeah. So this uh, this actually George Steinbrenner and Lou were actual friends, and that's that's part of the reason why Lou is the way he is with the no facial hair and jersey numbers. He he really learned a lot from George Steinbrenner when he was the general manager of the Devils. Um, so yeah, it, Steinbrenner was a huge influence on him. So that's absolutely true. Is West McCauley refing the game on Thursday? The Hurricanes record with McCauley is horrible. Something like 11 and 48. Wow. I don't believe in that's true, but it is what yeah. it is. Uh, while he's stealing, uh, so that's – go ahead. Um, I, he's got an unbelievable release, and his shot's really good. I, I think in the right situation, he's easily a 30-goal scorer. 30-goal scorer – 60 point guy. I don't, I don't think he's, you know, he's not really much of a playmaker, but I, I could see him being a 30, 30 guy for sure. Um, again, he just, he needs to play for a coach who maybe gives him a little bit of a longer leash, more ice time. Um, but he's his shot and release is unreal. We've seen two players this year on both New York teams reach uh, their ceilings and some, and one of them went to a ceiling. Nobody ever thought he could go to. I'll go with the one everybody expected him to eventually get to, or they looked at him and said, this guy should be scoring 50 goals. And that was Chris Kreider. That's an obvious one. And there's a video that I got in the works. I'm still waiting. I'm actually waiting for the off season now to actually get it out because we're going to need more content for the off season. But the other one is Brock Nelson. Brock Nelson now looks like a two-way matchup center that could score 30 goals against you. And sometimes when you see these guys and you just you just gotta let them develop. It yeah. might take it might take years for them to reach their ceiling. But right. I mean, Walsh, if I look over at that kid, I go, that kid's got a bomb for a shot. He's a potential power play finisher. Uh he might be the guy they don't even need Tarasenko, but you know what? There you go. Yeah, I mean the one thing I worry about though is that if they would consider using Wallstrom as a trade chip to get a guy like Jacob Chikrin or or Tarasenko, and you know, I don't, I don't agree with it. I think the goal should to be have Wallstrom in the lineup along with one of those guys, but you, you never know what Big Lou is thinking. I got to highlight this one, Scarecrow. By the way, thank you very much. Just want to let you guys know I watch every episode. Thank you very much. You guys much. have grown and continue to put out awesome content. Thank you, Mark, Anthony, and Phil. And by the way, yes. And that's where the goal of this channel is. I was I was blessed to have this idea and start it up. And I was blessed to be joined by Filk. And then later having this guy message me out of the blue. And uh, there's uh, one of my favorite videos to still watch is the 
uh, one year recap of how this uh, thing is growing and it's going to continue to grow. And I can't wait till we're doing yeah. shows every single day. We're kind of doing gonna, it right now, but that's a different story. I'm going to start also getting guests on again. Um, so uh, look, look, look out for that. Uh, that that's going to be coming in the pipeline. You know what it is? It's hard. Like for a while we had a, we had a set day and time. So it was easy for me to email these people and say, okay, can you come on our show at this time? I know last two weeks in a row we've been we've done 11 a.m. But Mark, if you want to tell me a permanent day and time that we could do, then I could then I could start, you know, sending out emails and asking people. Because right now it's like, oh, do you want to come to my show on maybe? Tuesday yeah, that's anywhere? that's the whole thing. When <laughs> we get and one. more concrete, that's going to be a big thing. And if it's 11 a.m. and then here's the other thing we could also do, we could also pre-record those segments and then put them on. So that's that's something we can also start thinking about with that. I just thought about that right now. Of course, you shouldn't be thinking about random thoughts on the air. But uh, so there's it's a lot of stuff that we're, we're going to be doing a lot of content. Yeah. And we're going to keep on just throwing out more content at you guys. So uh, Barzell was talent. Uh, Barzell was a waste of talent under Trotz. Yeah, but you know what? Trotz fixed. We we're talking about a guy that everybody thought of as a cancer. Uh Alexander Ovechkin, a lot of people thought of, said, said that about him. And or he's a defensive liability. He's never going to play defense. Trotz got him to win a Stanley Cup and be a consummate trophy winner. Yeah. And and he's he has he's improved his defensive part of the game. He's not winning any Selkie trophies by any means, but he's not the controller disconnect yeah, um no. gif no. that he was back in 2013. Uh Lou also owns part of the Yankees as well. I didn't know that. I, you know, what I heard something about that a long time ago, but I wasn't sure if it was accurate. Uh, let's see, Anthony. Right. Anthony, did you know that the move made by Zegras was first done by Oliver Wallstrom? Oh, he did it when he was a kid. I'm surprised yeah, he never broke this out in shootouts. Yeah, I think he's he's um he's referring to that viral video when Wallstrom was like seven or seven years old or eleven years old, and that um. I guess that intermission at a Bruins game. Yeah. 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 That was amazing. I, yeah, I still remember that. And again, I'm surprised he hasn't done that in a shootout. Uh, I do have to say this, Mike, uh, and I could have talked to you about it last night. Probably my favorite category for hockey videos is the Steve Dangle trade trees because it lets you know what that trade really entails. And his Wayne Gretzky one was huge. His Eric Lindros one was huge. That there was players involved or branching from the Wayne Gretzky trade that are still playing in the NHL right now. It lets you know what the ramifications are. It's not just player one for player two, and then that's it. Uh, I used to have this same saying and everything of uh, uh, Tony Granato and Tomas Sandstrom. For Bernie Nichols. Bernie Nichols got the Rangers, Mark Messier. So it's sort of like that. And that making you make one trade, it can impact you on another one. Uh Anthony, you ever watch um Steve Daniels trade trees? No. I've only watched some of his videos when he melts down about the Maple Leafs because it's hilarious. <coughs> he even um, says it too. He's so great. <coughs> yeah, it's really great. He's he's um he, those videos are priceless, and that, that's what really put him on the map for a while. 
Yeah. Um, and then now he's become, you know, mainstream. Uh, yeah. And, and I like the work that he does. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's one of the guys on the wish list. I have to get you with, uh, Steve for, Dangle? yeah, I would love it if we can get Steve Dangle. Yeah. Just to come on and talk for a little bit. Um, right, Mark, I don't know what I'm this word is. I, I'm, I'm learning more about it. I'm heading out. Okay. Actually, uh, we're going we're to head out together then. All right, guys. Again, thank you very much for joining us. Well, by the way, my 10 more minutes, my two more minutes turned into about 30 more minutes. So everybody, thank you very much for joining us today. We are going to be doing probably a post-game show, I'll say when uh, Thursday, uh, Friday afternoon, because it's, it's Thursday. So Friday afternoon, we're going to be doing a post-game show. No video tomorrow. And uh, just everybody, thank you very much for joining us. And we're we're on the road to get more subscribers. It's been great. It's always great. Can't wait till the next time. We'll see you soon.